How would you like a 15% discount to my daily email, the stack of stuff, the show notes, discounts to the conference, all of that? All you need to do is text the word SHOW to 33777. You'll get the annual subscription with a 15% discount to my daily email. You'll get the stack of stuff, the links to the show notes, discounts to the conference, and so much more. All you have to do is text the word SHOW, S-H-O-W, to 33777. Text SHOW to 33777. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Did you miss me? I sure missed you guys. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. Welcome, Kansas City, Missouri. Delighted to have you on board today. You'll figure out who I am. Trust me. <laughs> I hope you guys had a, had a, a happy new year. Merry Christmas to you, by the way. It is the ninth day of Christmas. My lights and tree are still up. Because there are 12 days of Christmas. We are on the ninth day of Christmas. I will not take my tree down. No. No, I won't. My wife, she knew I was going to start the show with this. She's already like, uh, you got to take. No. There are 12 days of Christmas, just like the annoying song. And we are on the ninth of the 12 days of Christmas. Therefore, the tree stays up because Christmas is not over yet. We got a couple more days left. And then the lights will come off and I will take it down. I'm a big believer in the 12 days of Christmas. Everybody puts up those lights. I don't want to get rid of them. They're, they're, they're too, everybody's taking their lights down. We got a person down the street from me, sociopath. I mean, Christmas afternoon, they're taking their decorations down. Come on, at least leave them up through that night. But nope, they take them down. I have strongly held opinions on a few things, one of which is there are 12 days of Christmas, and you should treat it as such. So happy new year to you. But Merry Christmas. We will move on. It's coming up all Trump, isn't it? <laughs> um, this, I got to tell you, for all the Democrats who, towards the end of last year, they ramped up the uh, Donald Trump is uh, absolutely a threat to democracy and the 14th Amendment can keep him off the ballot. I don't think that's the case. I want to explain this one to you guys uh, in a little bit of depth here. Now, you should understand, the left has moved to credentialism to win all of their arguments. What I mean by that is they put up the Harvard non-plagiarist, hopefully. They put up the federal judge who's with them. They put up the legal experts who are with them. And the media platforms them on CNN and MSNBC, the pages of the New York Times, the Washington Post, they put these people up and they say, absolutely, it is so cut and dry. The 14th Amendment applies to Donald Trump and he can be removed from the ballot. Colorado's done it. Maine has now done it. The Secretary of State, they're doing it. Not a Supreme Court decision, but a Secretary of State who's a partisan progressive who campaigned for Biden and marched in resistance marches. And so the media would have you believe under the weight of the credentials of the people saying it's cut and dry that uh, it's a done deal. The 14th Amendment applies. There's nothing the Supreme Court can do. There are a couple things happening here. One, they're trying to cut off debate not on the argument but based on the qualifications of the people making the argument. And you should note that those people making the argument have been wrong pretty much about every Supreme Court decision of the last decade. All of their credentials 
put them on the left. They see the world through the left. The Supreme Court leans to the right. The Supreme Court does take a, a very originalist view of the Constitution, which matters when it comes to the 14th Amendment. Not only that, they're trying to set the Supreme Court up for further discrediting. I hope Elena Kagan in particular pays attention to this situation. Elena Kagan, whether I agree with her judicial philosophy or not, is a smart woman who understands what's going on here, I'm sure. The left wishes to further discredit the Supreme Court. They've been trying since the Dobbs decision. They want the Supreme Court to put Trump on the ballot and uh, essentially show it as some partisan Trumpian organization that should not be respected or listened to because they don't control it. Remember, whatever the left does not control, they seek to discredit. But there's a problem with the 14th Amendment. Let me let me pull up the text here because this is, is really relevant to the conversation. And it goes to Section 3. No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or an elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or any state who having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may by a vote of two-thirds of each house remove such disability. The office of the President of the United States is not listed in Section 3. Certainly it says an officer of the United States or a member of the state legislature, but what's notable is that it goes an executive or judicial officer of any state. It doesn't mention any executive or judicial officer of the United States. You would think if they were going to list senator and representative in Congress or elector of president or vice president, you might also list president and vice president, but they don't. Why? Because presidents of the United States of America are not elected by the people. And everyone dances around this argument when it comes to Trump. Being taken off the primary ballot in Colorado and Maine, Donald Trump's not running to be president of the United States right now. He's running to be the Republican nominee for president of the United States. And then if he becomes the nominee, he's not voted on by the people of the United States. Now I know when you go to the ballot box, you see Donald Trump's name on the ballot. Up until very recently in most states, you saw the names of the electoral college members and that's who you're voting for. So notice section three, no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president or vice president. Now it's true or hold any office, civil or military under the United States. That clearly does apply to president of the United States. But he's not on the ballot. So removing him from the ballot as the Republican nominee really doesn't apply to Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which, by the way, if you take an originalist bent, it was written and structured this way because that insurrection or rebellion against the United States was specifically about the Civil War, not about anything else. 
And you can have these high-minded discussions that these experts who are wrong about everything will about it's self-executing and he can't do it, but he hasn't been charged with insurrection. Donald Trump has been indicted in the state of New York, the state of Georgia, the United States in Florida, and the United States in the District of Columbia. And in none of those cases is Donald Trump charged with violating the insurrection laws of the United States. And there actually is a law about insurrection that contemplates the 14th Amendment, that if you are found guilty of this insurrection criminal statute, you are disqualified from holding office. Donald Trump has not been charged. There's been no due process finding that Donald Trump committed an insurrection. So you have all these people who care greatly about due process at all times, except this, saying, well, it doesn't matter. The 14th Amendment doesn't say you have to have a due process hearing against the person, really. Are you really seriously trying to tell me that in the 21st century of the United States, the Supreme Court of the United States, including someone like Sandra Sotomayor, who is passionate about criminal defense rights and due process, that she's going to say, oh, yeah, due process hearing. We, we don't have to have that in this case. Now, maybe she will because of her partisan bent. But there's another problem as well. The presidency of the United States is the only national office. If you're a member of the Senate, you represent a state. If you're a member of the House, you represent a portion of a state. If you're the president of the United States of America, you represent the United States of America. And having Michigan and California say, we can't disqualify him from the ballot, while the Secretary of State of Maine says that she's going to disqualify him from the ballot, and the Supreme Court of Colorado says they're going to disqualify him, except the Secretary of State of Colorado said we're going to leave him on until the Supreme Court decides, you create a hodgepodge result of someone in national office. Now, there are those who say, well, Lincoln was left off. You know, I understand people are stupid and people will believe stupid things. You know, Abraham Lincoln was not left off the ballot of Southern states. I, this has been a talking point among a lot of people in the last couple of weeks. Abraham Lincoln was not left off the ballot in the Southern states. Abraham Lincoln did not appear on the ballot because the Republican Party was not organized in those states and so did not submit slates of electors. They weren't blocked. They just never bothered to do the work of putting electors on. That's why Abraham Lincoln wasn't on the ballot. The states did not disqualify him. There's no precedent there for blocking Abraham Lincoln. It's that the Republican Party in the southern states did not really exist by the time the Civil War came because it was a uh, anti-slavery party. It didn't have a home in the South, so they did not submit electors to the Southern states to be put on the ballot. That's why Abraham Lincoln wasn't there. It has nothing to do about the states blocked him. Everybody's making stupid arguments here. Some with the veneer of credibility and some with the veneer of credentials to make a case. I don't think it flies. What I do think it does is it helps Donald Trump. Because the party that claims Donald Trump is a threat to democracy is taking extra constitutional steps to block Donald Trump from even being able to seek office, depriving him of a due process hearing. I assure you around the world, one of the hallmarks of totalitarian states is they deprive you of due process hearings, which they did in this case, and the American people get that. 
Even David Axelrod on the left, who worked for Barack Obama, is saying that this does nothing but help Donald Trump. It plays into Donald Trump's hand. It does. It absolutely does. Everything's coming up Donald Trump. This is Donald Trump's year. And stuff like this is not going to stop him. I really do believe the Supreme Court will undo this because of the hodgepodge of results, if nothing else, but also because Donald Trump isn't actually going to be on a ballot for president of the United States. The electors for president and vice president will, but Trump himself will not be. It's a very basic point everyone seems to be missing in this 14th Amendment discussion. There's no self-execution here. It clearly doesn't self-execute itself. Otherwise, Donald Trump wouldn't be running for president, but he is. And these progressives trying to stop him play into his hands. This is Donald Trump's year. If you don't believe me, consider this. While we were away, multiple public opinion polls across the nation came out. There have been 12 national electoral polls. Of the 12, Joe Biden wins three of them. Two of them, Biden and Trump, are tied. Seven of them, Donald Trump leads. The polling average has Trump ahead by more than two points. For perspective, this is better than Donald Trump has ever polled ever in the history of his polling in 2016 or 2020. That's remarkable. Part of it is he benefits by not being in the spotlight all the time, and Joe Biden is. And Joe Biden is clearly a doddering old fool. The effort to stop Trump gives him sympathetic press coverage because people understand that it is tyrannical and totalitarian to deprive a man of due process before booting him from the ballot. And also, the economy still sucks and people hate Joe Biden, and that helps Donald Trump more than anything else. For all the Democrats claiming he's a threat to democracy, well, if he really is, you got to put Joe Biden and Kamala Harris on a submersible to go see the Titanic because they're not going to be able to withstand the force of Donald Trump's campaign in 2024. The economy, people do not like it. They do not like Joe Biden, even not liking Donald Trump. They still like Joe Biden even less. That's a pretty bad indictment on Joe Biden as president of the United States. Now, to reset, it is Eric Erickson. I am back. I'm glad to be back with you. The phone number is 877-973-7425. And hello, Kansas City. It's nice talking to you. We'll be right back. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. As always, and importantly, text ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, should you wish to get the podcast, the live stream, the show notes, follow me around social media, whatever you want. Now, I mentioned Kansas City. Talk 980 in Kansas City has picked us up, and I want to thank you guys in Kansas City for listening just a very little quick bio for those of you who've been around for a little while and, and you're still not quite sure why I'm on your station. Uh, so I fell into radio completely by accident. Local guy in Macon, Georgia, where I live, got arrested in a crack house. I was on TV at the time. They asked me if I would do radio. I hadn't, didn't know any better. I said, sure. Well, now it's the longest job I've ever had. I, I doing that, I, I got paid absolutely nothing for doing it for three months, but then 
Herman Cain was running for president in his station in Atlanta. My flagship, WSB, picked me up in his spot uh, where I was in the evenings, uh, filled in guest host for Rush Limbaugh for a number of years. And um, tr- when he died, sadly, and his birthday's coming up, by the way, um, still on my calendar, um, I, I moved noon to three nationwide. Uh, so slowly growing the show, 45 or so stations around the country now. Uh, in Kansas City, you are the latest, and thank you for being with me and for picking up the show. Uh, now, we got to talk about the beginning of the year news for Biden. It is as bad as the end of the year news. And for all of the people complaining about a supposed, like, Donald Trump is a threat to democracy, if the Democrats really believe it, they can't take a chance on Biden-Harris. Again, the I wrote this. In fact, if you if you are a subscriber to my daily email, text data to three three seven seven seven, and I'll give you a discount on it. This is what I wrote this morning, and it's important that you understand this. Donald Trump, in seven of the last twelve polls conducted, of Donald Trump leading Biden with a polling average lead of two point four percent as we enter twenty twenty four. Trump is doing better than at any time in his polling history. Democrats, think about that. Now, I need you guys to think about something, and I'm so excited to do this. My bank, my bank, has decided to become an advertiser on the program, Old Glory Bank. And y'all, uh, I love these people. Uh, Old Glory Bank is my actual bank. I'm getting my kids' accounts with them, checking and savings. I've got checking and savings with them. Uh, and it's a bank you can use them online. They're headquartered out of Oklahoma. Why Old Glory Bank? Well, you know, a lot of gun stores and gun manufacturers have suddenly had their banks, regional banks and national banks, stop doing business with them. A group of friends of mine got together and said, we need to start a bank that protects conservative business interests and conservatives. So they started Old Glory Bank. And when I found out about it, I was like, I want in on this. Now, I'm, I'm not an investor or anything. I don't own stock in the company. I just, I want my account with them. I want my account with people who share my values and who they're not going to cancel my account because I'm a conservative talk radio show host who owns a lot of guns. Oldglorybank.com. That's the website, oldglorybank.com. You can get online and have an account with them in less than eight minutes. You get checking, you get savings, you get online bill pay, everything you need. Real bank, real great people. Oldglorybank.com. You want to do your banking with them. Hello, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. I am delighted to have you with me. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. Now, for those of you newly listening, I like to text you information. And if you text the word Eric, and I spell my name best of both worlds, C in the K, so E-R-I-C-K, text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, and I will text you back pretty quickly. I've got it automated. It's not actually me texting while talking. I do that, but I'm not supposed to. They don't like it when I do that, but I do that. But in any event, text Eric to 33777. You'll get a list of links back in your text message. Uh, You should subscribe to the show notes every day. I actually did it today because Philip decided he was taking the day off. He's got some sort of doctor's appointment for the baby or something. But nonetheless... Uh, <laughs> uh, I did my own show notes today, all the stuff I'm going to talk about. It's the great thing. If you're a new listener, every day when the show starts, I send you links to all the stuff I'm going to be talking about because I really don't want to tell you what to think. I want to give you the information so that you can think for yourself. And you can follow me around social media and all that great stuff as well. 
So text ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Get all of those links. You subscribe to the podcast. We got to grow the podcast. I don't want to grow the podcast, but I got to grow the podcast because that's what people ask for. Even radio station hours. How big is your podcast? You want on my station? How big is your podcast? Well, you got to subscribe to my podcast to get me on more stations. All right. We got to talk about Biden, and I got to play you this audio from Steve Kornacki. And it's important that it's Kornacki who's doing this because he's beloved. He is beloved by the progressives. He's on MSNBC. He's their data guy with his own magic screen. How about the Democratic end of things? Joe Biden seems poised to be the Democratic nominee. What kind of year has he had politically? Well, again, he started 2023 coming off those good midterms for Democrats. And his approval rating, you know, 4650, wasn't that bad. But it's taken a hit this year. And as we start to close out the year, our final NBC poll had him at just 40% approval, 57% disapproval. How does this compare to past presidents entering the re-election year? Here you can see it. Here's the 40 that we have Biden at right now. These are all the final polls heading into the election year, re-election year that NBC conducted. You just see all the recent presidents. Look, Trump got beat in 2020. He was at 44 heading into his re-election year. Bush Sr. got beat in 92. He was at 52 and heading south rapidly uh, there. But you see how that number compares. That's the lowest. That's the lowest in an NBC poll for an incumbent facing a re-election year. Oh, I mean, it's true. It's true. Joe Biden polls lower. Well, the only thing that polls lower than Biden is Willie Brown's side chick. And uh, Kamala is just, I mean, it's its bad for her. It is, it's her polling is bad. You think Biden's polling is bad. Then you look at Kamala Harris's polling and you've got to start looking at the popularity of like syphilis and botulism to see just how bad her polling is compared to them. That's how bad it is. And she's the running mate. This is something I don't know that the Democrats fully appreciate is poll after 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 poll shows. People think Joe Biden's going to die. They think he's too old. That's a problem here. When you ask Americans, when you get Americans in a room and you just chat with them about the state of things, they all think Biden's going to die. He's too old. They think he's getting a little bit of dementia. He's slowing down. And so they got to start looking at Kamala Harris. And Joe Biden's unpopularity is to some degree, it's not just tied to the economy, but to her. I mean, Kamala Harris's polling is so bad, you really have to go check and see uh, what Americans think about syphilis and botulism just to make sure she isn't that bad. And arguably, there are some Americans who think the bubonic plague is more popular than Kamala Harris. So Biden isn't just dragged down by his own old age, his own old age is a reflection of people think Harris is worse than him. So there's no upside for the Biden-Harris ticket. If Donald Trump is really a threat to democracy, Democrats got to get rid of Biden and Harris because Harris is worse than Biden and Biden's bad enough and Trump is beating them, which is something he's never done in the polls. This is just basic math. Now, the Democrats, well, we don't believe the polls. The only poll that matters is, is November, and they can say that. You know, you talk to 
Haley and uh, <laughs> Lester Chris from Virginia says actually Botox polls right Botox polls so well I bet Kamala has had some Joe certainly has uh, had himself a little bit of botulism injected um yes that's true <laughs> well played um Chris you got me distracted now on Botox uh, <laughs> okay. Here's here's what the Democrats, let me just give you the, the lay of the land, the shape of the field right now. If Chris Christie does not get out of the race in the next week, Nikki Haley has no shot at picking off Donald Trump. Don't look now, but Haley is within striking distance of Donald Trump. He's got She's got him to about 40% in New Hampshire. If you combine Nikki Haley and Chris Christie's vote in New Hampshire, she's tied with Donald Trump. Now, Trump is blowing everybody out of the water in Iowa. DeSantis has made Iowa his stand. Haley is pouring money into Iowa to hurt DeSantis there. I think it's kind of dumb uh, for her to do, frankly. I mean, she kind of need she can't win in Iowa, but she can stop DeSantis from winning in Iowa. She doesn't have the ground game. You actually have to get people out to a caucus. A caucus is not like a, a, a primary. You get to New Hampshire, if Chris Christie doesn't get out, he's anchoring Nikki Haley unless his voters abandon him to go to Haley. Most of his voters would go to Haley. She could potentially take out Trump there. The problem is in South Carolina where she was the governor and Trump remains immensely popular. So it's all coming up Trump. It's looking more and more like it's going to be Trump unless somebody can change the narrative very quickly in the next week or two. It's going to be Trump. Here's what the Democrats think. If you talk to Democrats privately, Here's what Democrats say. This is what they believe, and they could be right. They say a couple of things. One, when you look at why Biden is doing so poorly in the polls against Trump, it's flirtation with third parties by Democrats. So, for example, there's a story in USA Today. Black, Hispanic, and young voters are abandoning Joe Biden as the election year begins. Only one in five black voters now say they'll support a third-party candidate in November. In a new USA Today Suffolk University poll, Biden's failure to consolidate support in key parts of the coalition that elected him in 2020 has left him trailing Trump. When seven candidates are specifically named, Trump's lead inches up to three percentage points, with independent Robert F. Kennedy Jr. at the top of the third-party candidate list at 10%. The findings underscore the formidable political task the president faces this year to win a second term. I think he's done a reasonably sound job, but it's not been a wow administration, says Michelle Durr, 55, a Democrat who plans to vote for him. The small business owner from Alexandria, Virginia, a suburb outside D.C., was among those surveyed. For me, it's disappointing that we have two old white guys in the race again. I want to look forward to the future. Biden now claims the support of just 63% of black voters, a precipitous decline from the 87% he carried in 2020. He trails among Hispanic voters by five percentage points, 39-34. In 2020, he had swamped Trump among that demographic group, 65-32. And among voters under 35, a generation largely at odds with the GOP on issues like abortion and climate, Trump leads 37-33. Younger voters overwhelmingly back Biden in 2020. The possible good news for the president is that much of the support he needs to rebuild has drifted to third-party candidates, not into the camp of his likely opponent. 
20% of Hispanic and black voters and 21% of young voters now say they'll back someone other than the two main contenders. That's actually what gives them hope. Because there's a lot of underlying data in the polling. And now listen, pause. I can feel I can feel it in the force. Some of you say, the poll, why are you relying on the poll? I'm so tired of the poll. Stop talking about the poll. No, 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 no. You guys, when your candidate's leading, you embrace the polls. You all do, all of you complaining right now, yelling at me in your car, your office, your home, say, why are you talking about the polling? Nobody believes the polling. The polling's all bad. You all love the polling when it shows your candidates on top. I'm just trying to get you the underlying fundamentals there. And the underlying fundamental is this, and this is what gives the Democrats hope. And to explain why they're sticking so close to Biden, you have to understand this. Whether you agree with it or not, you at least need to understand their position to be able to argue against it. And their position is this, that when you look at the underlying data from all of the polling nationally, Biden's voting coalition has drifted to third parties, and they fundamentally believe that if Donald Trump becomes the Republican nominee, all those people come home. And there's a lot of data to show it. Hello, election of Virginia in 2023, where Democrats outpaced Republicans despite a massive Republican push. Hello, 2022. Hello, 2021. Hello, 2020. Hello, 2019. And hello, 2018. Democratic voters tend to show up in larger numbers than Republican voters these days. White, upper-income women, the awfuls, the affluent white female urban liberals tend to vote more than anyone else. We used to call these people Karens, but Karen got upset, and so now we're calling them awfuls, affluent white female urban liberals. They tend to want to exercise their vote as much as they want to get pregnant just so they can have an abortion to say they've had one. They go vote, and they're going to go vote for Biden. And the rest of the coalition, the Democrats are convinced they'll come home. When Trump is not a hypothetical candidate but the actual candidate, they're convinced they will come home to Joe Biden. I don't know that that's the case. The Democrats think it is. They also think something else. They are convinced Donald Trump's going to be found guilty in one of these cases. And they think, if so, that that moves independent voters. And there is a lot of data out there in the same polling that has your guy ahead. Those of you who are Trump supporters right now, you, you believe the polls that show Donald Trump's ahead. You believe they're right. The same polling shows that if Trump is found guilty, uh, you're going to see a, a Mondale-Reagan landslide for Biden as independent voters go to Biden because they don't want to vote for a guy who's been found guilty of anything. Here's the problem for the Democrats, though. The Democrats are waiting for external factors to take out Donald Trump. They're not trying to take out Donald Trump. They're waiting for external factors. Same thing that Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley and everyone else on the Republican side has done is wait for external factors to take out Donald Trump. And I don't know that they're going to be able to wait for external factors to do that. I don't know that they can. But they're going to try. There's one other issue that the Democrats take some comfort in. And that's that Donald Trump's kind of been off the radar. Now, unless you're a diehard Trump fan, you haven't really paid attention to his rallies. You haven't been paying attention to anything he says. You haven't been paying attention to True Social. Nobody does. So he's kind of been out of your mind. 
If Donald Trump's the nominee, the media will make him a part of your mind on a daily basis. They will go into a feeding frenzy about Donald Trump to emotionally exhaust you again. Right now, you're fixated on Biden because he's the president and there's a lot of news coverage about him. And the Democrats are convinced that when Donald Trump starts getting equal coverage in the press, people will be turned off by him and go back to Biden. Their entire theory of the campaign is turning people off from Trump, though, not selling them on Joe Biden or Kamala Harris. And that kind of exposes the flaws. Democrats, if y'all really believe Donald Trump is a threat to democracy, he's kicking your guys' butt right now. Can you really take the chance to preserve American democracy that you can somehow get by this without getting rid of Biden and Harris? I don't know. Now, let me tell you about Vision Computer before I get out of here. Vision Computers, those of you in Kansas City now, y'all are new to this. So let me tell you about Vision. Vision wants to build computers for you. Visioncomputers.com. You go to visioncomputers.com or call them at 404-COMPUTE, and they can build you a laptop or a desktop. But then here's the catch with Vision Computers. It's a good catch. It's the catch you want, is that if you let them build your computer for you, you get a special phone number. You can call them 24-7, and within 15 seconds, they answer the phone. And if you don't know how to do something on your computer or you think something's wrong with your computer, they'll answer faster than a Google search. They're going to answer you. Visioncomputers.com. Call them. Tell them I sent you. You get an even better deal. 404-COMPUTE. Anyone nationwide. If a small, you're a small business, hey, listen to you, you're a small business, you got five, six, 20, 30 computers in your company, and you don't want to be the IT guy and you can't afford to hire an IT guy, let Vision take care of you for a small annual fee. They'll take over and your employees can all call Vision whenever they got something wrong with their computer. Vision can even remote in to fix stuff. 404 Compute, call Vision Computers today, start a lifetime relationship with them and stop losing sleep over your tech. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. If you're in the business of a business and your business wants to grow and your bank is giving you a runaround on lending, First Liberty makes their own lending decisions and they help businesses grow. Reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com, firstlibertyga.com. Tell them I sent you. Tracy, I want to come to you. Welcome to the show. Tracy, how are you? Great. Happy New Year. You too. What do you think if Biden is elected to a second term, what do you think will happen to our country, and what would you ha- think? What changes do you think would happen with the Republican Party if Biden is in for a second term? Oh, that's a great question, Tracy. Okay, um, if Biden wins a second term, I, honestly, I, I, people get mad at me when I say this, but uh, administration to administration, there's not a ton that changes except at the executive level which can be undone by another president. One executive can undo the actions of another, of a previous executive, and Congress will largely be gridlocked. Um, it'll be bad for the judiciary because you'll start getting progressive judges and Clarence Thomas didn't get any younger. What will happen with the GOP? The GOP will have to do a lot of soul-searching because if Trump's the nominee and loses, part of his uh, supporters will be convinced that it was stolen again. Regardless of that, they will have to ask themselves, and I don't know that they will, if it's stolen a second time, why'd you go with the guy who had it stolen the first time and obviously wasn't in a position to stop it the second time? More importantly, they're going to have to try to figure out, do they want to win? Are they hungry for a win? You know, the polling right now suggests that Republicans more than Democrats want a political nominee who agrees with them more than that person is capable of winning. 
Republicans want someone who affirms their beliefs, whether or not that person can beat the Democrats. That view is going to have to change. You're going to have to compromise. Now, I say this as a conservative who spent a lot of time battling for conservative candidates and picking off um, moderate Republicans in primaries. I want a country that moves to the right. I am mindful, however, that at the presidential level, you got to build a winning coalition. And my guy, my diehard conservative, probably cannot do it without compromising. That's why Reagan picked Bush in 1980. He needed to get moderate Republicans to get on his side. And so you had this coalition. It's why right now, for example, um, there's a big uh, controversy on the on the Trump team of would Nikki Haley be a good vice presidential nominee or not? Nikki Haley would solidify a portion of the coalition Donald Trump needs to win. Uh, you go with a, a, a fringier candidate, you may not be able to build a complete coalition. You've got to be willing to compromise. Even as you lead, you've got to be willing to recognize there are boundaries which you can't cross that someone else can and you got to build that coalition. Republicans are going to have to ask themselves, if they lose to Joe Biden this coming year, do you want to win or do you want to be affirmed? Do you want to be coddled? Do you want to be the victim? Or do you want to beat the Democrats? Uh, because I will tell you, the polling is better for Donald Trump than it's ever been, and he tends to underpoll his actual performance. But I see the numbers of Democrats who would come rushing home to Joe Biden, and that troubles me greatly about the latent strength of a Democratic coalition against Donald Trump. Trump energizes the left more than he does the right these days.